All right, let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we thank you for this day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we pray that I would rightly divide the word of truth and that your message would go forth and be received. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you are probably saying, what's he doing up there? <laughs> he plays music and he's the magician. And so since Steve's not here, I, I have a pun for you. Speaking of magicians, um, when I perform corporate events or parties, it turns out a lot of people actually want to be magicians at some point in their life, but for most of these people, it just turns out it's not in the cards, so. <laughs> there you go, Steve, that was for you. Uh, the title of this message today, if I have this thing on, let's see if I did it right, is Resting in Peace. So for about the next two hours, we're going to talk about estate planning <laughs> and why you should leave all your money to Book of Life. No, I'm just... uh, Actually, it turns out that as a worship leader, I am privileged on Wednesday evening to ask people for prayer requ uh, requests. And there's a lot of people that, that don't have peace for various reasons, you know, talking to people as you fellowship with people more in the church and get to know each other. That's what we're here for is to to come together and unite as a body. There's, there's not a lot of peace going around, so the Lord has led me to share this message with you today. Do you live a life characterized by peace? Would people look at you and honestly say, that person is at peace? They have something that I don't. In the midst of fiery trials, do people see that you live and react differently? And just what about in the day-to-day -day of your life? Do you sleep well at night, or are you one of those people who lays awake at night worrying about a multitude of problems? Well, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be living a life of peace. That doesn't mean that you won't have trials, but you should live a life where deep down in your heart, you do experience peace even in the worst of circumstances. So first of all, let's discuss why we might not have peace. What are some things that rob us of peace? There's two things, two areas mainly that I want to talk about today. Sin, of course. Uh, David sang in Psalm 38, I am full of anxiety because of my sin. Living a life that is not pleasing to the Lord, a life of disobedience will rob us of our peace. Now this applies to the Christian and the non-Christian alike. Some unsaved people, they might look like they have it all together. You know, you see them on TV or whatever, but... I can tell you, because I at one time was an unsaved person, that either they have moments when they're laying down at night or they're at some time reflecting on their life and they are uneasy, they don't have peace. Or their hearts are so seared to any feelings of conscience that they're beyond feeling that way. But I believe that most people are not seared to that extent in their conscience. Most people who are not saved do feel uneasy and fret over how they live their life or the anxieties of life at some point. So sin robs us of peace, both the saved and the unsaved person. And peace is robbed not only by the glaringly obvious sins like sexual sins, drunkenness, violence, drug abuse, and things like this, but also the sins that we tend to overlook because we're Christians now and we're saved and we don't sin like they do anymore. How about things like this, church? How about gossip? greed, factions, 
that is cliques and divisions within the church, backstabbing, strife, jealousy, just self-focus, and the list could go on. There's a lot of Christians running around with no peace wondering why. They've cleaned up a lot of areas in their life or they've allowed God to, and maybe they look pretty good on the outside, but they're blind to many other things that need to be surrendered to God so that he can deal with them and they can have real peace. If you think a jealous person or a gossip or a backstabber or a self-focused Mr. Me monster has peace, then as the saying goes, I've got a nice snake bridge to sell you downtown. <laughs> you cannot live in opposition to the word of God and have peace. So, sin and disobedience can rob us of peace. That's one vast area. Trials also rob us of peace. Many of are of our own doing, unfortunately, usually because of the sin that we were just talking about. But many trials are not of our own doing. And Jesus talked about this in John 16.33. He said, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Now we'll get to the rest of that verse later. But what are some trials? How about death? Death in the family? Death of a friend? Losing your job? The loss of your health, which becomes more frequent the older we get? How about a spouse cheats on you, a spouse leaves you, your children are rebellious, uh, just difficulties in your marriage or in your family in general? How about this one, traffic? Poor service at the restaurant? Someone left a quarter cup of milk in the fridge, again. How about trying to decide with your spouse where to go eat dinner? Where do you want to go? Hey, it all adds up, right? <laughs> Trials can come in all shapes and sizes, and God will use even the smallest things to shape our character. <laughs> Honey, they named a restaurant after us, by the way. <laughs> now, the trick is to learn how not to lose our peace during these times. So how can we live the word out in our lives so that we can have real peace when trials come? What does God have to say about us having peace and about living an obedient life? Well, first, let's talk about having peace during our trials. There are some biblical things that we need to truly grab a hold of and believe with conviction so that we can experience peace. And you might say, well, I do believe in the Bible and what it says. I'm a believer. Well, yes, but many believers, when they hear the promises of God in his word that he made, they will say, yes, I believe that, but... And everything after that but is a waste of time and energy. And I've seen it many times before. For some reason, there are people who think that their situation or their trial is so special that the word of God doesn't speak to that problem. Um, and that's just nonsense because God's word stands forever, even over your life. Your problems, your trial, your situation, they're not going to topple God's word. And that's what people are, in fact, trying to do when they say but. Uh, they might as well just be honest and say, you know, I really don't believe what the Word of God says right here about my situation. But they don't want to do that because they don't want, they, excuse me, they do want to look good and spiritual in other people's eyes. So instead they say, yes, I believe that, but you don't understand my situation's different. And they go off listing all their excuses for what is really unbelief. 
They're trying to put themselves and what they really believe in control over God's word. And so, with that little preamble, that brings me to the first thing we need to grab a hold of and believe. Are you guys ready? All right. God is in control, period. God is in control of everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I know that my son's thinking of the theme song of that movie right now. <laughs> but listen to this. In Psalm 103, verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. But you don't understand. My, my situation's different. No, see, there's no buts to that, right? How do you say but to that? The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. All but what? He either causes or allows all things. Listen, God says this. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. And this is why it's important that we realize that God is in control of all things because he does allow the good and the bad. Once we begin to see that God allowed us to lose our job or allowed that person to die or allowed us to marry someone who doesn't care where we go eat dinner, <laughs> as long as it isn't the dozen places we've just suggested. <laughs> I guess I'm not the only one that's been through that. Once we begin to see that God's behind these things, then we can begin to look for him in the situation, and we can see his purpose behind allowing these things. Now, some purposes we might not see until we get to heaven, but oftentimes we can see his purposes here on earth, and usually his main purpose is transforming his children into the patient and loving likeness of Jesus Christ. And it's just that simple. It's so easy that a child can understand it, and yet... Somehow it's so difficult that an adult can mess it all up. I heard a line in a Christian movie lately that's so spot on. I'm sure you guys have heard this. Being a Christian is easy, but it's hard. And being hard, unfortunately, we're mostly going to be transformed through trials while we're going through the valley. Now, I wish that God would just send us all to Hawaii for a conference and we'd come back perfect. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Now, not only is God in control... Another thing that we would do well to grab a hold of is that God is with us. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6, it sounds a lot like Joshua 1.9, but let's listen to what it says. It's a little bit different. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail or forsake you. And now, does that promise apply to us today? Yes. Amen. Some people would say, well, that's an Old Testament promise, and I don't know, it's, it's interesting. But I found a New Testament verse last night as I was going over these notes that I will just share with you briefly that they, in Hebrews 13 and verse 5, they, they grab a hold of that promise. Uh, they're talking about making sure your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have, but for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So God will never fail us. He will never forsake us. So how does he go with us? He lives inside of us, right? Amen. God lives inside of us. He has sent another helper, the Holy Spirit, and we are sealed with a permanent seal. We cannot be saved and ever lose our salvation because we did nothing to earn our salvation. We do not have the authority to break the seal of the Holy Spirit over our lives. That fact alone should give us all peace. 
We've been released from the bondage of sin, called out of the kingdom of darkness and into his marvelous light, and God lives in us. Say it. Now, I want to get all Baptists on you guys this morning. I want you guys to say that. God lives in us at the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. God lives in us. Amen. It's very affirming, isn't it? I think so, anyway. All right. God lives in us, and he goes with us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Do we believe that? It's easy to look at the mountain and feel our faith waver, isn't it? Okay, God is in control. God lives in us. And thirdly, God is working these trials for our good. Do you realize that your loving Heavenly Father only ever has your best interests in mind, period? It may not look like it to you, but he never has anything less than the best plans for you and your life ever, including the trials that shape us. God is not some deadbeat dad or some father that's going to skip town on his family, and the Holy Spirit isn't like a single mom trying her best to get you through this Christian life to heaven while also working to pay bills. Your father has you on his mind and is always working for good on your behalf. Even if you're suffering an illness like cancer, even if your spouse has left you, even if you can't see how it could possibly be for your good, he is working it for your good. And if you can't see it, remember, we walk by faith and not by sight. And our faith in his love and good plans toward us gives us that inner peace that surpasses all understanding. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And here's another scripture. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but... And that's the only time that a but would apply is when the Lord tells it to us, right? But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Now, sometimes the Lord is going to deliver us home to heaven. But do you believe that the Lord delivers us out of them all? Amen. Amen. Do you live it out in your walk of faith? Sometimes we do, and sometimes maybe not so much, right? God wants us to have peace. In fact, he already has given us peace. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And here's another translation. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. God tells us many things in his word, life-giving things. And then Jesus came and told us many things, one of which was this, which I told you that we'd get back to eventually. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. We should have peace because we belong to God. We are sealed forever as his children. He only has our best interests in mind ever. He is with us. He goes with us. He is in control. He is working all things out for our good. He will never leave us or forsake us. Nothing can snatch us out of his mighty right hand. He has overcome this fallen world. Should I go on? But you don't understand my situation. Sounds kind of hollow and foolish, doesn't it? When we have that huge list of promises. Now, disobedience 
can throw a wrench into the works of all these promises. God wants us to be obedient so we can live blessed lives. He wants to bless us and has our best interests in mind. Some of our blessings are conditional based on our obedience. Obedience to his word is for our benefit. He says so in Joshua 1.8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And again, this is an Old Testament verse, but does this apply to us? Yes. Obedience to God's word is for our benefit. And again, I, I saw another scripture last night that I wanted to read to you that, that bears this out. Jesus in Matthew 7 said, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So obedience to the Lord and his word is definitely for our benefit, yes? Amen. But, having said that, Christianity isn't by works, and we certainly don't want to come out of the bondage of sin and step right into the bondage of legalism. But, good works and obedience should follow salvation out of our love for God and all that he has done for us. Sometimes our good works don't always follow, do they? Ouch. We wrestle with our flesh. Remember, the Christian life is a marathon and not a sprint. Repentance, humility, love for God and love for other people. Let the rivers of living water flow out of the heart that God now lives in. Learn what is pleasing to God. In John 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and will make a home with him. Now this is a picture of peace, sharing a meal with family and friends, sitting around the table and being intimate with one another. Fathers, we don't always live up to the high standard of fatherhood that God sets for us, do we? Maybe some of you had terrible fathers, maybe some of you had no father, but there is one who wants to be your father who will always be there for you and loves you. He wants to come into your life and make a home with you, if we love him and keep his word, we will experience this amazing peace as he comes into our lives and dines with us. Our God is so amazing. He wants to spend time with us. He came to give us peace. He is the prince of peace. Now here is something powerful to chew on, speaking of dining. How is that for a segue? <laughs> Bear with me for a second because I'm going to lead up to this. We already have peace, right? Right? John, <laughs> if you're awake, say amen. <laughs> All right. We already have peace. Now, we already read this, but let's read this again. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So Jesus has already given us peace. We already have it. He left it for us as a free gift for all of his followers. Peace between God and man. 
That's all the peace we're ever going to need. When we have that peace, all other peace should follow. But here's the brutal truth. This is what I was leading up to, speaking of something that we really need to chew on and, and think about. What really robs us of our peace? Us. We do. Nothing can truly rob us of peace except ourselves. Nothing can get back God's gift of peace that Jesus left us. It's not like there's some cosmic Walmart customer service where we can go exchange God's gift of peace, you know? I don't want this anymore. I need some socks here where you take that. <laughs> but when we choose to sin and be disobedient, we lose our peace. It's impossible for the child of God to live in sin and live in peace. And when we face trials, we have a choice to make. How are we going to react and face this trial? Will I act in faith and humility and live in peace? Or will I live in doubt and fear and unbelief and lose my peace? Now that's something we have to seriously consider, walking by faith, the faith part of what I just read. Because what overcomes the world? I know Jesus did, but what about us? Let's read John, excuse me, 1 John chapter 5. It's actually uh, 1 through 4. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that is, uh, the love that we show towards him, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Faith is what overcomes the world in its system, in its trials, in its temptations. Faith in the promises and God's word that we've been talking about this morning. Faith that he is in control. Faith that he is with us. Faith that he is working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Faith in the only begotten Son of God, that he is who he says he is, and the word means what it says, and that the promises within it mean what they say. This childlike faith is where we truly find peace through trials, and even peace when we stumble in sin. Because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's your father. He loves you. Boy, this sure read a lot longer when I was doing it at home. Now, if you're a believer, hopefully the message that I shared with you this morning has touched you, convicted you, or encouraged you. If you're not a believer, none of this will work for you until you start at the beginning, and that's faith. You have to believe in Jesus, and that word believe, it means to place your trust in. You have to believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sin, that he died and three days later rose from the dead, victorious over sin and death. You need, to be, you need to believe this and place your faith and trust in him to save you so that you can be forgiven. And then you can truly rest in peace, both now and after you die. Confess your sin to him, admit that you're a sinner, and ask him to forgive you and save you. And then I would ask that if anyone here does that today, that you get in touch with someone here to make, um, if you make that decision, so that we can help you in your new walk with Christ. And if you're online, please contact us and also pray that God would lead you to a Bible teaching church in your area 
so that you can become part of the body of Christ where you live and can begin your new walk with him. Please stand with me as we pray. Lord, many of us don't have peace, and it's our own fault a lot of the times. I pray, Lord, that we would remember throughout the week, throughout the rest of our lives, how we can have peace, Lord, by remembering that you're in control, that you're with us, and that you're working all things out for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. We pray for those who hear this message that aren't believers, that they would come to know you, that they would be saved. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.